0: Good morning. A couple quick housekeeping announcements. Brian Sump has been fired. And I didn't even do it. I got a notification on my phone. It just popped up right after you made fun of my team. Wow, this is old school right there. That's right. You need grace. We'll pray for you. Um, if you don't know it, Pastor Mark Bullion, our children's youth pastor, today is his 50th birthday. So make sure you wish him happy birthday. I know a lot of the kids brought him some, some cards and stuff. He's a good man. So good to see everybody. Let's, let's see how old school some of you are. He has risen. I'm in the right place. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank You for hope. Thank You for life. Thank You for Your joy and Your peace in the midst of a chaotic world. You have overcome. And because You have overcome, we have overcome Jesus. We celebrate that. I pray for just a word in season for everybody watching online. And for everybody in this room, that we would celebrate your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how about this weather? 80 degrees today, 80 degrees tomorrow. March and April, are, uh winter is, in March and April in Colorado, if you've lived here any amount of time, you know that March and April is winter giving way to spring, but not without a fight. Because I'm sure we'll have snow again. Like last Monday it was 70, then it snowed 5 inches. So you just don't know this time of year. But we'll enjoy it. I love springtime though. I love springtime obviously because of baseball. Um, And you know that baseball is God's favorite sport. I can prove that to you. Genesis 1-1. In the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was a big inning. It It was a good inning. Lots of hits. Thank you. See, Brian, this is how you do it. just saying. It's not that tough. Thank you, brother. Spring, though, it it brings newness. Newness of life. You're going to plant flowers. We're going to see the trees change. You're going to just more sunshine and so forth. And just, that's Jesus. He's in the business of making all things new. It says in uh, Revelation 21.5, Jesus, it says, "...and He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new." Notice that that wasn't past tense. I've made all things new. He's present tense. He is making all things new. If you're a guest with us today, we're concluding a trek that we've done since the beginning of the New Year through the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be in Luke 24, the chapter on the resurrection today. Next week we're going to kick off a series in the book of Acts. So we we titled Luke Kingdom Come because Jesus is the kingdom come to earth in in who he is. And Acts is the kingdom continuing to grow. It's the continuation of the story of what happened next after Jesus went back to the Father. So we're going to look at the book of Acts for, for a few months after that. Chuck Swindoll said that if you're feeling apathetic in your walk with Jesus, read the book of Acts. It'll, it'll show you how people, what they were so zealous to tell people the good news about Jesus. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So today I just want to answer a simple question. What is the meaning of Easter? Or, or what is the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus? What does it mean for you and I? In, uh, in Luke 24 we're going to see how Jesus he's the one who predicted his death 20 times he said he was going to die and then on the third day he would rise again and my thought is if a guy predicts his death and says in three days he'll rise and he pulls it off I go with whatever he says right he just whatever he says goes and that should be true you know for, for all of us but the first thing that is the meaning of Easter, is that it means a new life. It means new life. He's making all things new. He gives us new life. I love how the Scriptures um, are so self-authenticating. You know, the, the first people to see Jesus or to show up at the empty tomb were women. I don't know if you know this or not, but at the time of Jesus, the time the Bible was written, Uh, women were not allowed to testify in a court of law. So if you wanted to make up a story about this guy rising from from the dead, then you wouldn't have women be the first ones to do it. But Jesus didn't care. And the Bible goes against the the grain of of all of the skepticism that comes around that. It says in uh, Luke 24, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men or two angels suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, they said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up, and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling what had happened. New life. Now think about this. Jesus told his apostles, I counted them in the four Gospels about 20 times, that He was going to die and suffer at the hands of sinful men. And on the third day, He would rise. And yet, they didn't get it. The angels are here reminding them of what Jesus said. If you tell somebody something 20 times, even us husbands might actually hear it. <laughs> right? Might take 20 times, but we will, I think we'll get it finally. But the truth is, they didn't get it. They were not able to comprehend there's many reasons why they had their own agenda. They hadn't been Jesus hadn't opened their minds fully just yet. It made me think of of my dad. When uh, my siblings and I were young, my dad would read the newspaper, and namely the sports page. And he would get so engrossed to what he was reading, we'd we'd come to him. and I'd say, "Hey, dad, the house is on fire." And he'd go, "Mm-hmm." Hey Dad, can I have a million dollars? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's as clueless to what what was going on because he was so focused. I think that's kind of the disciples. They had to have you know an awakening of what was going on here. But it's important. This whole understanding of having new life. The Apostle Paul, who he experienced the newness of life in Jesus. He was a a religious terrorist who was going around killing Christians and, and martyring them, thinking he was doing God a favor when Jesus appears to him in the book of Acts. And he becomes his mouthpiece, just like Jesus to take an enemy and turn him into this ally that was going to spread the good news of his life, death, and res- resurrection to the world. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome. He says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we, so too we may walk in newness of life. On October 26, 1992, I came into the newness of life. I was doing what I would do on a typical fall Sunday hung over driving to my dad's to watch the Bronco game with him I was 25 years old and I started thinking about some things and all of a sudden I experienced Jesus for real for the first time in my life everything up to that point was like religious duties and do's and don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not and I experienced the love of Jesus in my truck Driving over there. And I was changed. That Within that 24-hour period, my life was awakened to the newness of life of Jesus. And I've been following Him ever since. As imperfect as I am, as imperfect as my walk is, He's perfect. And I'm not going anywhere other than following after Jesus. He, he holds the keys to life. He holds the keys to everything. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... This person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Love that verse. You're in Christ. You're a new creation. My past is my past. All things have been made new. How many people are into restoring cars? You like that? Okay, two of you. Good. This is going to be a great illustration. Killer (laughs) illustration. But I found some... uh. Pictures on the, uh, on the internet when I searched the Google and it gave me these, these pictures of, of before and after of somebody taking a, a pile of junk and turning it into something really awesome. Look at that. That's take some work there. Let's go to the next one. Look at that. Before and after. A hunk of junk into fully restored. How about another one? Pretty nice. I know you weren't into restoring cars, but would you like to have that car? How many? Okay, a little bit better. Look at this. This guy found this car in the woods and then did this to it. Boom. (laughs) Now you might be into restoring cars, huh? Here's what I want you to have that mental picture. Jesus is in the restoration business he restores life he makes all things new he restores dreams that we have he restores identity he restores our innocence he takes away our guilt and shame and he restores us you know what was life like before life happened right the innocence of children he restores that to us you know you may be in a marriage that's struggling right now. He restores marriages. He can. Um, my parents were, uh, when I was in third grade, they had a pretty rocky marriage when I was younger. And in the third grade, they got divorced. And it, it devastated me as a little guy. But they got remarried when I was in fifth grade, which not, doesn't happen a whole lot. They got remarried in fifth grade. And they moved from house to neighborhood to this or that, always trying to find some sense of happiness, some sense of foundation. And they were looking for Jesus, they just didn't know what they were looking for at the time. My freshman year in college, they were on the brink of a, the, a divorce that was going to end their marriage. And uh, it was Palm Sunday of ni- in 1987. My dad had started going to church. And somehow he got my mom to come to church with him, even when things were rocky. And she went to church with him, and they heard the gospel, and they gave their live lives over to Jesus. They gave their marriage over to Jesus. And I saw the change that happened to them when they started building their marriage and life on Jesus. I'd catch them in the kitchen making out, you know, like high school. (laughs) Well, maybe not high school, but like. Making out, you know, you don't want to see your parents making out. But it was cool, though, to see the love, the reigniting that, that had happened to them. And they still, they had, you know, they were sinners and they, had a, they were married for 55 years until my mom died. And they went on to, to see that. I saw God restore their marriage. I saw him restore their lives. And it had an influence on me because I wasn't following Jesus at the time. And it had a big impact on me. The second meaning of Easter is it means a new hope. It means a new hope. I'm not going to read all the verses that are next there, but there's two guys, after what we just read up to Peter being at the tomb, two guys are walking on the road to Emmaus. It was a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they're walking and they're talking and Jesus comes to them and he says what are you guys talking about and they'd been talking about the fact that their messiah died on the cross and they were brokenhearted and discouraged and disappointed and when Jesus says what are you talking about they kind of like what do you mean where have you been our lord has been crucified and Jesus walks with them 7 miles and he explains to them that that the christ had to suffer and die like the old testament said Suffer and die, and then on the third day, rise again. And when they get, they invite Jesus to dinner in their house, and they go in and they break bread, and it says that in that moment, they realize that Jesus had risen from the dead and that He was the Messiah. And then Jesus scattles off to go see the, the disciples after that. And they said, did, our, did not our hearts burn within us as He was telling us the Scriptures? Why couldn't they see Jesus? I think sometimes life can be so discouraging, so hurtful, so disappointing, it's hard to see things that we normally are able to see. It's hard to see people. It's hard to see what life is really about. These guys were devastated. They were disappointed, discouraged. They saw their dream die on a cross and be buried. Maybe today you're discouraged. Maybe today you're hurting and it's hard to see It's hard to see that you're loved. It's hard to see that you have a purpose, that you can actually have hope. Hope is the confident expectation that God will be faithful to what He says. That's what hope really is. It's a confident expectation. Hope cannot be built on circumstances. It's built on the promise of Jesus. Now, the, the Apostle Peter, he's the guy that, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he denied that he knew Jesus three times. And you think about the sorrow and the anguish that he went through and his own you know, lack of faith that happened there. Well, we know that Peter gets restored by Jesus after the resurrection. He sees the resurrected Jesus. He's commissioned. And on the day of Pentecost, God uses him in a mighty way to bring thousands of people into faith in Jesus and to usher in the inauguration of the church. Well, he's, he's writing in first Peter. He's writing to a group of discouraged people. Whenever you read first and second Peter, the context is they were being violently persecuted by Rome and they were discouraged. Like following Jesus is getting people killed. Like what's going on here? So Peter wants to give them a dose of hope and he says, Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. A living hope. You've heard me say this a lot, but our hope cannot be put in something that can be taken away. People can be taken away money, possessions, career, whatever. That all could be taken away. But I got good news. What can't be taken away is the living hope that you have in Jesus Christ and eternal life with Him because of His resurrection. We are assured of that today. Live in that confidence. If you don't know that confidence today, just give your life to Jesus. Follow Him. Do what He says to do and watch what He'll do in your life. You will be living what life is truly about. The last meaning of Easter is it it gives us a new purpose. It gives us a new purpose. My dad passed away back around Thanksgiving. And the last years of his life, he had dementia, and it progressively got worse. And three years ago, March, my mom passed away. And after she passed away, he struggled daily. He would call me, and he would say, "Hey, where's mom?" And I, it was—it it sucked. I had to—you know—I didn't know what to do. I didn't have—you know—I'm not a doctor, I have tools to. To talk him through this and it, it, it progressed. And I remember one day he called me and I, he said, Where's mom? And I said, Ah, oh, dad. I said, I said, She's in heaven. And he was like, Well, you'd think I would re- be able to remember something like that, condemning himself. And I said, Oh, dad. I said, Your brain is malfunctioning. Just like a kidney can malfunction, your brain is malfunctioning. And he said, well, if I can't remember that, then what's my purpose? And I said, dad, your purpose is to bring me joy (laughs) and others joy, because that's what you do. Your presence brings people joy. And I said, and your purpose is to continue to tell people about the hope that you have in Jesus. You know what he said? He said, I can do that. (laughs) I can do that one. Yeah. Thank you. So many people don't say, I don't know what my purpose is. Why do I exist? I don't know what, 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 you know, you work in a job you don't like or whatever. I don't know what my purpose is. Well, Jesus does. And His purpose for your life is to know God, to love God, be loved by God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why everyone exists, whether they believe in God or not. God wants you to know Him. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to know that He loves you. And He wants us to love one another. So from there, if we're doing and pursuing those things, in that purpose, whatever you're doing is going to be the will of God. Period. You don't have to struggle and wonder, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, Pursue Jesus and and the will of God finds you. Anybody that sets themselves to do the will of God, the will of God will find you. You don't have to worry about it. Um, It's Jesus after the road to Emmaus, He goes to His disciples. And He said to them, So it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. These disciples were going to go change the world. Think about it. He took 12 knuckleheads... That could not understand 20 times what he was going to do. And he turned the world on on its head by going and preaching the good news of Jesus. I think that's awesome. That means there's hope for us knuckleheads in this room, right? Definitely know I'm a knucklehead. And he wants us to know that that the book of Acts, there's a chapter 29 that we're in right now. There's 28 chapters in Acts. We are Acts 29 continuing to tell people about Jesus. Our church exists to tell people about Jesus and to make disciples. And we exist to go out of this building go tell other people about Jesus. The good news. God's not mad. God, God gave His one and only Son. He's loved us so much. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He triumphed over our enemies. He triumphed over the enemy of sin by nailing it to the cross. He triumphed over the enemy of death by dying in a literal body and being raised to life he reversed it and he defeated the evil one by his death and resurrection that's good news my oldest daughter chase she's in the navy and we haven't been able to see her in a little over a year but we can text and i always know when she has good news because she'll text me and it will just say Dad, explanation point. I know something good's coming. Or, guess what, question mark, explanation point. So I have to respond, what, you know? You can't just tell me, but you got to build it up. <laughs> but, the, the, you know, I know good news is coming. We have the best news ever. Take the, the reins of that purpose to tell people and love people that God loves them. The Father is madly in love with His children. It's the greatest purpose, greatest thing is to build your life on Jesus. Don't just make Jesus part of your life. Compartmentalize him. Build your life, everything on Jesus. It's the best life there is. Following Jesus isn't easy, but it's worth every step of the way. It's worth it to to put him first, to build your life on him. One of my favorite uh, letters in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians In 2 Corinthians 5, in in particular, I love, the Apostle Paul says this, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And He died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose on their behalf. What I get from that is, let's live our lives and live for what matters most to Jesus. Arrange your life and priorities around what's most important to Jesus. That's the full life. That is living a full life when you're doing that. You arrange your life around what's most important to Him. We get new life. We get new hope. We get new purpose. Um... TJ Pander and his wife Jamie and their family are a great part of the church, always serving. And, and uh, he, matter of fact, he was playing acoustic guitar up here um, for worship this morning. We made a video about his story, you know, a testimony. That's a kind of a Christian-y word, a testimony. But all you're, you're testifying, if you were before a judge, you're just telling a judge what you saw, what you heard, your point of view. And we recorded. TJ's story, and I think you're going to enjoy how he got new life, a new hope, and a new purpose. I'm here with TJ Pander, and um, TJ and his wife Jamie and their family have been part of Novation for several years now, and like all of us, he has a story. And, and each one of us are more than a name. We are a story. A story that God is writing of redemption in each one of our lives. And TJ has a, a, a great story of how God worked in his life. And I asked him to share a little bit about it in um, kind of this dialogue format that we're here. So TJ, um, tell us... A little bit, because I think it 's important to know the backstory a little bit of someone 's experience with Jesus. what was life church, your understanding of, of Jesus or the gospel like when you were young
1: so yeah we went to uh, we went to church for for a couple of years when I was a teenager and, and it was a it was a very legalistic church um, you know, we would uh, we 'd have we had a sermon series about you know rock and roll music called Hell's Bells where they talked about backmasking and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and um and you know being a, a huge music fan that was a a big blow but um you know we would do stuff like that all the time do this don't do that you're allowed this you're not allowed that um just really kind of under under a thumb and uh, and as we're talking here we you know you said what's what was Jesus like we, we never really talked about it it wasn't something you explored uh, so um so knowing what I know now and, and everything I know about Jesus, it's, uh, it's so much more wonderful and, and, and fantastic, you know?
0: So. so then what was your uh, understanding of God? I know at some point you basically became an atheist. Tell us about that and what was the yeah. experience there. So I
1: think in my head at the time, it was kind of like all of those rules are unsustainable, that uh, you can't live life to the fullest and, and do the Christian thing because of that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became an atheist, and, and uh, after maybe 20, 21, um, 22 years old, something like that, I, I became uh, kind of a devout atheist, cool. where I would seek people out and, and try to to preach atheism to them, especially if I found out you were a Christian and, and there was, you know, if we were at a party, I'd put you in a corner and, and talk your ear off about how <laughs> you're wrong, um, which is, uh, is not very friendly.
0: How did being an atheist, a so-called atheist at that point, um, um, how did that affect you internally? What was what was your inner world like? So I wouldn't have told you at the time, of course, but
1: it was um, it was really empty. You know, you'd think you'd have those conversations with people, and uh, and and it would fill some gap that you have, some hole in it, and it just uh, it just widened the hole, it just made it bigger. Um, it was
0: uh, it was lonely. Yeah, I have told you this before that skeptics. Um, that have questions that aren't answered. That's how you got pushed into atheism Absolutely. to speak. But now that your questions have been answered, as we're going to hear in a little bit, um, I think skeptics moving to faith-filled believers, they become powerhouses yes. in it because they've had those questions answered. And so maybe at some point you would address have. that. But I remember your story when your wife Jamie started coming to the church. She was invited and... and um, She was talking to people about you like she was like, I think he he would fit in at this church. And I remember praying for you with her several occasions. And I remember her telling me about your questions and atheism and skepticism. And I said, man, he'd fit perfect here. (laughs) He would fit perfect here. And and you came like to a Christmas Eve service Mm -hmm. and a few things. What was that like walking into a church? And and uh, what was your experience in that? Not believing at that point in time, because we have a saying around here that you can belong before you believe, yeah. and you were do- you were living that.
1: Yeah, I think that belong before you believe thing is is one of the reasons that uh, that I kept coming with her. I wanted to support her. You know, I love my wife. Just you know, being an atheist didn't mean I didn't didn't love her, and I wanted to be there for her. So I'd come to church with her every now and again, but um, up until we came here, I think I uh, there there were very few times, but I always heard the same thing: do this, don't do that all that kind of thing, and uh, your belong before you believe thing, you had talked about it that day that I came in, you would mentioned it, and, uh, and I was kind of like, hey, what's that about? Belong before you believe thing. Because um, that was so counter to, and, and accepting, you know, the way Jesus wants us to be, and, uh, and I just hadn't seen that before, so uh, I didn't catch fire when I walked through the doors, like I thought I might. <laughs> but uh, Lightning didn't strike. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, ever since then, uh, you know, it's, it's, we love coming here, it's um, gosh, I come here
0: most of the week. (laughs) Yeah, you are very faithful. Um, Well, I know shortly after a few times of of coming, I believe it was sometime in the summertime, you had an experience where, just like Jesus talks about being born again, you had that awakening in your soul. Why don't you share exactly what happened? It was a good day.
1: Uh, June 21st, 2017. I was uh, coming home from work. Uh, It was a beautiful day. I'd left her, left uh, left for home early and and we had some family at home so i was you know just just cruising bringing food home about to have a good old time and uh, I, I looked out i was on c470 i looked out and saw the the front range and the light was kind of poking through it and it looked gorgeous um, and I, I just i didn't feel it and that was weird um, so i just kind of i got to a place where i was i was like what is this about i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of open a door and see if See if God'll step in and, and step in he did. so you are saying you felt
0: empty <clears throat> like, I did you should I felt, have been
1: amazed, but man, yeah, I just was blah just hollow okay, yeah, um so I kind of you know started getting get down a little bit and maybe a mile down the road i um I just kind of said, okay God, if, if you're there, like I'm open to it right now because I don't want to be this kind of empty and uh and he did um I just had this this feeling that like like I had a backpack full of bricks that just kind of was taken off of me, and there were actually a couple times during that trip that I was like, well, maybe that wasn't, and I kind of felt it come back Mm -hmm. down, so um, it was interesting and moving, and uh, after that I learned all about Paul, and and how kind of a similar thing happened to him, and uh, really identified with the the Damascus Road story, and and been learning ever since.
0: What was that conversation when you felt that weight? How did you begin to speak to God, and what did you feel was going on in this because it sounds like it was this coming home. You were coming back to a yeah. to a loving father that you thought maybe he'd tolerate you, mm-hmm. but really he was there with blessing and love and just happy yeah. that you had returned.
1: That was uh, that was kind of a crazy part. So so yeah, it was, uh, I was I kind of did a did my own little altar call behind the wheel and <laughs> um and I expected like I, I said God if you'll take me back I'll, I'll I'm here. Let's do it. Mm. And, uh, and I expected kind of some, okay, well, here's my rules. Mm. But uh, I just got to welcome back. That's awesome. Let's go to work, you know. That's awesome. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, I know uh, we as your church family have watched God transform you and yeah. to see you as someone who's hungry to both uh, know Jesus better, the scriptures better, and to share Jesus. You've had this new purpose you know, you found new life, yeah. you've got hope, and now you have a purpose, and I, I see it in your involvement in what you do for the church, and with your, you guys are in a home group, and I think you guys said something that you were, you guys would move, like, every three years out of kind of emptiness, and, yeah. And, yeah. You know. We always blamed it on that,
1: because we, we were both military, so we always kind of blamed it on that, we just get bored and mm. want to move somewhere else, but I think, you know, I've, I've talked to Jamie about it a couple times, and, and I think... We were trying to fill holes, the same way. You know, we're not we're not going to hear. Let's move somewhere else and see what happens. And uh, the last time we kind of started getting the itch to go anywhere else, we both said, you know, if we leave, we we got to leave Novation, an and that's not good. We're not going to do
0: that. So putting down roots. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing uh, your story. It's very very similar. You know, we've talked yeah. about this before. We're very similar stories. I I was behind the wheel too when God began to speak to me too. So. <clears throat> But I think our, our prayer for everybody watching is that God's always there with open arms. Just like he, well, you, you didn't know, but he, he said, if you'll take me. And He's like, yeah. shoot, bear hug you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with us. <laughs> for that. You have been so, so good to me. For T.J., that hand was for Jesus, but for you too as well. (laughs) Look at the worship guys. They all got ties and jackets. and Yeah, they look good. Looking fly. Look like the the newsboys or something. Thank you for sharing your story with us, T.J. That's just what God does. He brings new life. Would you stand with me? Um, I wrote a prayer that I want us to pray together. And maybe you online or you in this room, you've prayed a prayer like this before. Um, and let that, this just be an affirmation. But for those that maybe you don't know if you're in a relationship with the Father through Jesus yet, um, there's a, a participation on our part, an acknowledgement. There's a moment in time where we say yes to the Gospel. And we put, say yes and put our faith in Jesus and what he did and if that's never happened to you right now can be that time it's just giving Jesus the keys to your life repentance is changing your mind is what repentance is it's a change of mind about God and ourselves and others And we go in a new direction we do a 180 and go the opposite way of how we were living and we build our life on Jesus it's the best life How many would agree with me that following Jesus is the way? It's the best. So let's pray this together. Let's say it with me. Lord Jesus, today I am coming into agreement with You. You are my Savior. I am turning away from a life of self. By faith I am placing my life into Your hands. I believe that You gave Your life so that I could find mine. I believe that you lived, died, and rose again. Open my mind to understand the Scriptures and the truth of the Gospel. In your name, amen. Amen. Can we give God praise? We love you, God. We're going to sing uh, just a little bit of Amazing Grace one more time before we head out and just celebrate what Jesus has done for us. My chains are each person watching and in this room with a sense and awareness of your great love for them. May we find our identity, our self-worth, our purpose, our hope in your love, your promises. Jesus, thank you that you are victorious. Thank you that you conquered our enemies for us. We believe, we believe, we believe, Lord. In your name, amen.